When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're out. That's the nothing personal word of the day for Tuesday, September 5th, 2023. And it's a simple message to Urias. Julio Urias, the pitcher for the Los Angeles Dodgers, was arrested under suspicion of domestic violence, felony. He was at the LAFC game where Messi played in Inter-Miami, who still has not lost. They released a list of celebrities attending the game from Leonardo DiCaprio to Tobey Maguire to the Dodgers pitcher, Julio, Julio Urias. Then we got word that he has been arrested he will not be traveling with the team to Miami where they open a four-game series against the Marlins tonight. And I had the following reaction. In 2019, he was suspended for 20 games under the same policy. He is going to be a free agent at the end of this season, in line to have gotten likely the largest deal for a pitcher outside of Otani. And there is not a major league baseball team who should sign him to a long-term deal. There is not a major league baseball team who should sign him to a short-term deal. There is no way for his agent, Scott Boris, to spin this. He is a recidivist. There is obviously a problem, whether it is with anger management, whether it is with not understanding what you can and cannot do, what line you can or cannot cross. We haven't even gotten to the baseball side, which is what this does to his team, what it does to the Dodgers' chances. And before you ask, I had no knowledge of this arrest when the wait to see yesterday was the Dodgers would not be in the LCS this year. That was only me watching them against the Braves and thinking about their team. When that call comes in to the general manager, to Andrew Friedman, the president of baseball operations, there's so many things that happen when the phone rings. Death, its own subject, when that phone call comes, Injury, arrest, owner angry because of lack of performance. When you get a call about a player, the arrest when it is a violation of domestic violence, and this is me talking, I am very, very strict in my head when it comes to arrest, when it comes to DUI, when it comes to hitting women, or hitting your significant other, it is absolutely unacceptable. And there is no gray area for me. We supply drivers, there's now Uber. 
if you don't know how to manage your anger, we all have had arguments and disagreements with significant others. It is difficult to be in a relationship. Some people are good at it, some people are bad, most people are average to below. There is no argument, there is no scenario where you hit a woman. I don't think there's a scenario where you hit a man either. I don't like pugilism, but you do not hit a woman. Back in 2019, we went through the entire issue with MLB. Was he charged? Was he not charged? He was not charged for what happened. He was suspended 20 games. In the history of this policy, not one player has been suspended twice. And this policy started eight years ago. The theory is that you get counseling, you get training, you, if you get a second chance, you don't violate it again. So baseball hasn't had to deal with this. So Andrew Friedman gets the call that there's been an arrest. If the Dodgers security people are good, he got the call before baseball even got the call because the loyalty of the local resident security advisors, the loyalty is with the team, not with the league. So the theory is you're supposed to get the call first, then baseball gets the call, then you talk. But forget and regardless of who got the call first, Andrew Freeman gets the phone call, has to speak to Stan Kasten, and they need to make the immediate and quick decision with their PR person, with the normal statement of, we are aware of the incident, standard statement. We're aware of the incident involving Urias. While we attempt to learn all the facts, he will not be traveling with the team. The organization has no further comment at this time. No problem, easy. You take it right off the folder inside the phone of the PR guy, you release it, no problem. But in reality, what the Dodgers are doing is speaking to baseball and understanding how quickly he's gonna be put on administrative leave and the likelihood that he is no longer going to be eligible for the postseason. I don't want to criticize a team for doing what I would have done, even though I look back and realize that the process of the action that I'm about to tell you sounds terribly cold and calculating. But the speed in which the Dodgers went to what do we do on the field was warp speed. One of the things that we can't talk publicly about is how willing we are to look the other way when things happen with players, how badly we want our best players to be playing, how much we understand that great players are not always great people and you just swallow hard and recognize that they are who they are, they're gonna do what they do, say what they say, but we need them performing. When you know that that decision has been taken out of your hands the way the Urias decision, Urias decision has been taken out of the Dodgers' hands, the speed in which you move to the practical result and problem that you have. And I don't regret 
that because my ultimate responsibility is to keep the lights on and to keep the team winning, to figure out a way to get through October, to get a ring. But in the meantime, when the cameras aren't rolling, the discussions are had about, are we even gonna consider re-signing him now? Scott Boris's agent, who's been very busy given how many players he has who do not perform up to the standards of their contract, up to the levels of their contract, how many players he wants to get overpaid, how many players he wants to place on teams and have the teams regret it, but then come running back when the new players are available. Boris has to decide, is he dropping Urias? Is it Urias or Urias, Coca? I've said it both ways always, and no one's actually ever specifically said to me which way it is. So I'm gonna go with Julio and you're gonna know exactly who I mean. The way Scott Boris looks at this situation is that if he believes that Julio is gonna be Trevored, then that will be the end of him spending one minute focused on his free agency. What I mean by Trevored is when Bauer when his suspension was done and he was released by the Dodgers, he was not going to be re-signed by another major league team. There was no reason for his agent or agents, Rachel and whoever else, there was no reason to spend any time on any club sending any presentation of how great he was. He was not going to be signed. Boris is going to know that now that Urias has been charged, he is going to be levied a huge suspension delaying his free agency and the opportunity, Urias, thank you, and the opportunity for any team to forego any moral compass and go ahead and sign him on the cheap as a quote unquote pillow deal. The pillow deals are meant for players who are injured and trying to prove that they're coming back from injury and they can do it. The pillow deals are meant to provide a player who has not performed up to the baseball card for a period of one to two years. He gets a pillow deal, look at Correa, sign a one-year deal, and then go for the long-term deal after, which he got with Minnesota. But when it comes to somebody who is the first two-time offender, will be the first two-time suspended player under the domestic violence policy, what team would offer him a pillow deal? It's not a question of his skill. It's a question of the opening signing press conference. The reason I like having you form your understanding of this issue around the opening press conference is that's how teams think. What can we say here? It's really easy to say, we believe and our baseball people believe that what you've seen in the past two years is not what you're gonna see. You're gonna see how his greatness from three years ago. It's easy to say in an opening press conference, hey, no doubt he's got an injury history, but we believe in our training staff and we believe in this player and that he's gonna play. All that is easy. A wife beater? What do you say? Hey, we believe that he's not gonna do it a third time. We know that twice was enough and he's really learned his lesson. You can learn a lesson when it comes to racism, hopefully you can be educated. When it comes to making anti-Semitic comments, hopefully you can be educated. When it comes to domestic violence, I am very binary. Either you do it 
or you don't. The second type of press conference that we talked about was the injured one. Hey, the player's injured, but don't worry, he's fine. And it's gonna be fine. Well, on September 4th, 2023, a full two months, if the World Series goes seven games, but even if it does, it's gonna be two months, before free agency begins, Shohei Otani's agent has started the process. Now, of course, you know, his name is Nez Bolello from CAA, got a bunch of great players. He has started this process well before now, but he decided this is the time to go public with a few nuggets, and he did. Shohei Tani's agent decided to speak and two things he wanted to make clear. One, we're not upset with the Los Angeles Angels for calling out the fact that we didn't want an MRI. Many people in the media, many of the shows that you may watch, after mine, of course, after ours, said, this is it. When the Angels GM came out and said, oh, we wanted to give him an MRI, but he didn't want one after he had cramps, et cetera. That's it. Angels aren't getting him. Otani must be embarrassed and pissed and done. Otani's agent came out yesterday and said, we have no issues with how the Angels handled that. I totally understand that the team needed to explain the process publicly, which of course dovetails perfectly into my theory, which I'm sticking to that the Angels are actually the favorites to re-sign Otani, not the other teams, Giants, Cubs, Yankees, Dodgers, Marlins, Reds, Brewers. So the agent wanted to make clear, all good. Which leads me to believe that what we speculated, which is that the communication between the front office and Otani and his agent is positive, that it wasn't just their GM Perry Manasian going public and talking smack about Otani, that it was all part of communication that is ongoing. But then the agent continued about Otani's future and said, hey, he's definitely having surgery. I don't wanna say whether it's gonna be Tommy John, but he's gonna have to have some surgery to repair a torn ulnar collateral ligament. I went in the dictionary, I went online, I did some research before the show. I have yet to figure out what surgery that could be that's not Tommy John, but hey, I'm not a doctor. Maybe they found someone who will do some sort of repair of a torn ulnar collateral ligament, which is not where the first tear was. The agent wanted to make sure that you understood. Irrelevant. It's a totally new tear in a new place. We're all good. Why are you not having your player have that procedure now? And then we finally got our answer because I've been in front of the story saying, what's Otani doing? Get the surgery right now. Be ready as soon as you can to be the two-way player that you wanna be so you can maximize your money even if you take a short-term pillow deal. Why are you playing for the Angels? Did Coca, did the Angels get swept by the Athletics by chance this weekend? I don't know whether they did. They lost a couple of them. I can't remember. If you're being swept by the athletics, it doesn't matter. 
whether it's the Athletics or the Orioles. The Angels are out. They're done. Otani hitting for them is not increasing his market value. There's only downside. What is it? About box office for Artie Moreno? Are you trying to give him a break? Get a few walk-ups for each game he DHs? For the remaining 15 home games, however many they have? He should not be playing. But we found out why he is. Because the agent said, even after the procedure, quote-unquote, to fix the torn ulnar collateral ligament, Shohei Otani plans to DH throughout next season. And whatever procedure he's getting won't stop him from DHing. So I'm president of a team and I'm thinking, I'm trying to value Otani. I've already told my owner he's a $35 million pitcher, if not a $40 million pitcher. He's a $35 million hitter, if not a $40 million hitter. We can excuse giving him 70, if he wants nine years, I'm not going to give him $610 million, $630 million. I'm just not going to do it. But I'm going to get to five, five fifty, and I'd like to spread it out over as many years as possible. And I want him to be a two-way player for as many years as possible because that would excuse the high AAV. I don't want Otani as my new player doing anything that would delay his comeback as a top of the rotation pitcher. Granted, the odds of him coming back after a second Tommy John are de minimis. It happens, but there are very few players who have done it. We don't know his effectiveness as a two-time Tommy John. I understand why the agent doesn't want to call it a Tommy John, because if you have a procedure that's not called Tommy John, you can say, hey, he's not a two-time Tommy John. So all of the statistics that we have that are available for two-time Tommy Johners, they don't apply because he didn't have Tommy John a second time. But it's absolute horse hockey. Of course, it's a second Tommy John because a rose is a rose by any other color is still a rose. So you go to your new team and you're pitching Otani, which really you don't have to pitch. We're the ones that will be pitching the school system. Great places to live, the great commute to the ballpark, the great community, the inclusion, the excitement, how, my, how happy his translator will be raising his family in your town, in your city. We're not giving Otani more money because he's gonna DH sooner next year. I will find a way to creatively frame this contract where I am paying him less, fewer dollars from a cash flow standpoint next year when I don't believe he is going to be an effective two-way player. And I'm willing to pay him more when he has a chance to be an effective two-way player in 2025, but I want him to have the surgery now. So when the agent is tampering with other teams and teams are tampering with him, which is going on for sure. Sorry, commissioner. There are teams tampering with Shohei Otani and his agent. There are players tampering with Shohei Otani and his agent. I promise you. Why they are not getting the message, which is something I've done, which is going to a player we have to get a message to a player we don't have who we're trying to get, hey, don't forget to mention how awesome Miami is. I want the message gotten to Otani that A, have the surgery, B, don't stress out about coming back in March or April to be a DH. We are with you and in it and want you for the long haul. 
even if we're not prepared to offer him eight to 10 years, I want Otani's agent to think we are because I want to be at the table. I want a chance to get Otani. When the agent tells you that they don't know whether they're going to do a short-term or a long-term contract, which is another thing that the agent said, the only reason he would say that is he has not secured a long-term deal yet. Because every player would choose a long-term deal at the average annual value they want, at the notional amount of dollars they require. Otani wants the record $43 million. He wants to break that per year. That's Scherzer Verlander. And he wants the record for the most money ever given to a player total. So when the agent says, hey, I will not speculate whether we will be doing short-term or long-term, don't worry. It means he has neither. Scott Boris does not represent Shohei Otani. Scott Boris represents Anthony Rendon, another angel. Anthony Rendon has $114 million that has been paid to him for Bupkis. And he has $114 million over three years left to go. Anthony Rendon fouled the ball off his shin out He's been absolutely ineffective, which is terribly sad. Don't complain that Artie Moreno hasn't spent money, hasn't spent it right, hasn't gotten lucky. Rendon has gone off the reservation, the baseball circle, the field of play. When asked by a reporter a question about his rehab and how he's doing, his answer was, no habla inglés today and walked away. Anthony Rendon, who hasn't played since July 4th, has not played more than 60 games at all since going to the Angels. Now, of course, in the first year, there were only 60 games, but there's been three years since. He's been on the injured list three times this year. Don't forget his suspension. Remember the situation with the fan where he was suspended four games early in the season? Anthony Rendon is not being additive in the clubhouse. There is talk within baseball that he is a clubhouse turd. My new word, because I don't say clubhouse cancer anymore. We've canceled that from our nomenclature, that he's a total clubhouse turd. Now, I could argue any player who has Scott Boris as an agent is closer to that than anything else. There are some exceptions. Not many, but some. The Angels, when deciding what they're going to do with Rendon, have to take into account Rendon's relationship with Trout and Rendon's relationship with Otani. If they are thick as thieves, those three, and having Rendon around is helpful to Trout's happiness and to Otani's desire to potentially stay in Anaheim, I'm keeping Rendon around, keeping him on the roster. But if there's any knowledge, and we would have this knowledge, that in fact, Rendon is not tight with either Trout or Otani or both, I'm releasing him. The difficulty in releasing someone with $114 million left is you are embarrassed, you're ashamed, and your incompetence is there for the world to see. 
And there are some owners who so badly don't want you to think that they've made mistakes that they'll double down, triple down, quadruple down. They will hurt their present and their future just so you, the fan, won't get fodder to say, wow, that guy, that owner, that GM, they stink. They can't find the right players to sign. Allowing PR and fan thought to interfere with the makeup of your team and whether or not you're willing to admit a mistake, that's the mistake. I don't blame the Angels for signing Rendon. When you go back to when he signed that deal, he was the best position player available in the market, the number one. He was so good on the Nationals that you could pencil him in for 30 a hundo. And I don't even know his stats, Coca, but I'm gonna assume he's a 30 hundo guy with above average defense at a premium position, middle of the lineup every day, you want him. When he signed with the Angels, you remember what the response was. It was, my God, these guys, they're stacked. It didn't work. I never minded admitting a signing didn't work, but that is another reason to only sign short-term deals, four years, five years, six years at most, because when it doesn't work, it's less painful. Hey, didn't work, we're moving on. But when you're going with all these eight, nine, 10 year deals, you end up really putting yourself in a position where you're making decisions not in the best interest of the team. So my prediction, is that what he was in his final season, Coca? He hit 319 with 34 homers, 126 ribbies, and finished third in the MVP, and then went to the Angels. Of course, that was a good signing. Wait to see is when I tell you something's gonna happen. I'm gonna give you a wait to see. I'm gonna give you a bonus wait to see because after the break, I've got a wait to see for you. Anthony Rendon is gonna get released by the Angels. He is not going to finish out all of next season. So before the end of next season, so Coca, this wait to see goes till the end of the 2024 season and you can book it. Anthony Rendon will be released by the Anaheim Angels of Los Angeles. When we come back, we're gonna review a show that I watched that you all may have seen that I just binged over the past month or three weeks. And then we're gonna talk about another Scott Boris client where he is trying to pull one over your eyes. We'll be right back. Teachers, administrators, and other school staff play an important role. Education can be a shining light, and it's really the equalizer for everybody. You are making a difference in people's lives, including your students. You can have a really bad day at school and still realize that what you're doing is making a bigger difference. We are the best profession in the world next to doctors, but even a doctor had a teacher. Find what helps at cdcfoundation.org slash how right now. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. It's David Sampson, Matthew Coca. Get ready. We are under 24 hours away from releasing our first of four specialty shirts. One of you got it right, and you'll be getting something cool in return. 
davidsampsonpodcast.com. Trying to answer as many questions and emails as I can from that website. You get all of our content, all the video content, links to all the audio. That is the website to be, merch store. Hell yeah. I wanna give you 30 seconds. Today is the launch of Pablo Torre Finds Out. This is not Metalark asking me to do this. This is not because of my relationship with Pablo. This is because if you are going to allocate time to be smarter, to learn things, to hear about things, it is not an interview show necessarily with Dan and Mina. Those were the preview episodes. Pablo Torre is doing episodes that are brilliant and well and highly produced. And Pablo is someone who you wanna put in your rotation because you will become smarter and smile as well. Good luck, Pablo. Get ready for the grind, baby. Okay, there is no reason why I didn't watch House of Cards on Netflix when it came out, except for back in those days, I wasn't watching TV shows. I only really started watching TV on streaming maybe around COVID, and I had missed the House of Cards launch and it didn't mean anything to me, but I was told it was amazing. I started watching it on a one of my long flights this summer. I downloaded the first season. And since then, you know I keep a list on my phone of everything I watch. So what I wanted to show you, for those of you watching on the Nothing Personal with David Sampson YouTube channel, so I keep a list of all the movies that I have seen in all the shows. I've watched during the course of getting through six seasons of House of Cards, 73 episodes, which I completed yesterday. There were about 20 shows in between from when I started and when I finished, because I always mark down where I am when I start a long binge like that. There are people who won't watch House of Cards because Kevin Spacey was canceled, not convicted, charged, and then acquitted but canceled under the, hey, where there's smoke, there's fire. Kevin Spacey is a brilliant actor. House of Cards, some would argue, was the start of Netflix. Netflix became what it is because of House of Cards. It is a second cousin of the West Wing. It is about what happens inside the White House, what happens inside Washington politics, what happens when there is evil that lurks. It is not dissimilar to what happens inside the hallways of a sports team and of a sports league. And I don't mean hard knocks and franchise. I mean, when it's dramatized. There wasn't one minute during the first three seasons of House of Cards that I was not glued and binged and didn't want to sleep. Season four, not as good. Season five, not as good, but Kevin Spacey's still there. And then goodbye, canceled. Season six, Robin Wright takes over, had played his wife. And then you realize that season six only had eight episodes. Michael Kelly is brilliant in House of Cards. There's some great guest stars. I had no idea that Rachel Brosnahan, the marvelous Mrs. Maisel, I had no idea that Kate Mara was a part of it. I was in. So how do I suggest to you to binge House of Cards if you haven't seen it when you may be angry and upset with what Kevin Spacey did? I guess I have to give you the art from the artist separation argument? Nah, you decide. I'm thankful for it. House of Cards, 
Six seasons in the book. Six seasons. Transition alert. That's what Scott Boris thinks that Cody Bellinger deserves. Long-term contract, two to $300 million. Bellinger is the player who is non-tendered by the Dodgers. We did a segment on Bellinger, I don't know, a couple weeks ago where there was some discussion because Scott Boris and Andrew Friedman had a disagreement over the treatment of Cody Bellinger. The Dodgers and their training staff were impugned by Boris and then Boris apologized and it was a thing. And then wouldn't you know it, only a little while later, rumor comes out in Bob Nightingale's column in the USA Today that Cody Bellinger may command two to $300 million and there's multiple teams in, including the San Francisco Giants. That same San Francisco Giants team who out of nowhere, coincidentally, took a Boris client who no one wanted named Michael Conforto and overpaid him at the end of last year's free agency. I wonder whether the San Francisco Giants are the new Washington Nationals, the new team that Scotty goes to and Boras says, hey, you need our guy. He's the final piece to the puzzle. He will get you that ring. The Giants have rings, 10, 12, and 14. Don't get suckered by this. Now, I grant you, Bellinger's had a great season for the Cubs. Jed Hoyer is way too smart. Remember we talked in the beginning of the show what agents do? Hey, he was bad for a period of years. He was the MVP before, then really bad, and now he's back, which means the years when he was bad, those are the outliers. What you're getting here is the 2023 Bellinger, which is the same as the MVP Bellinger, which means he is one of the most productive and best players in the league, best hitters in the middle of your lineup. He will take you to the promised land. That'll be $250 million, and I'm gonna want eight years. 30 million a year for eight years, plus a little change if you don't mind. Suckers. There's no reason except Boras knows something that you are about to know. When a player is good coming off bad, a front office owner and a GM and a president will say, it's the good that I believe in, not the three years of bad. When there's three years of good and one year of bad and you're trying to get a player, you look and say, it's the three years of good not the recent year of bad. Do you see the trick we play in our head? The trick is always, hey, we love the name, we love the player, we want to dream during the off season that we're gonna win the World Series or at least be in the playoffs. Therefore, we are going to believe in our head that the glass is not half full, but seven eighths full. Why would Boris want word to be out about all the different suitors for Cody Bellinger? Very simple. Going into this off season, there is Otani and then there's everybody else. With Otani's injury, the question is, is it now everybody else and Otani? Simultaneous. Prior to Otani's injury, 
which is being felt. The ripple effect is being felt through agents, front offices, and the commissioner's office. Such a significant injury as it relates to his free agency this coming season, off season. What agents were going to do prior to the injury is wait for Otani to sign, set the market as high as possible, and then try to nuzzle your player in under Otani, but over the previous crazy contracts that have happened in the last couple of years. And the reason why the union has the agents do that is you want to try to keep moving the up, the top part of the salary scale. You want to keep it moving higher. That's who the union focuses on. And all you members of the union who are in the lower and middle class, you know I'm right. The focus is always on the best players and keeping the highest salaries going higher, which has no impact to 98% of members of the union. Keep that in mind. A middle reliever, a closer, even a good bat, their market is not being made by the Turners and Seegers of the world the Otanis, the Bats, the Trouts. Those are the exceptions. But what Boris is trying to do is get Bellinger into the same stratosphere as those players, the Seeger, Bats players, Turner. And what they're trying to do is get him above them to keep the line moving. And the best way to get above them is to wait for Otani to, to sign way above them, but Otani's not a comp for anybody in the union. Whatever Otani gets, 500, 550, 450, 650, it doesn't matter. It is unique. No agent can go to a team and say, Otani got X, I deserve X minus a little tiny bit because no player is close to Otani pre-injury. Post-injury, there are arguments to be made. So the union is working with Otani's agent, trying to figure out what is best to do with Otani. Do we go short-term? Do we go long-term? Do we go the highest AAV, but make it a short-term deal? Do we make it heavily incentive-laden? No. That's what a team should do based on games started, based on number of at-bats. But with someone like Cody Bellinger, the union is treating him much in the same way as the majority top tier free agents. But because his agent is Boris, I believe that Bellinger is gonna wait to sign until Otani signs. Because what Boris is gonna try to argue is that for all you teams who didn't get Otani, you need my guy. You may not get him. It's a much stronger argument than you may not get him to say you didn't get him. So what happens is you wait for Otani to sign, you go to the losers of the Otani sweepstakes and say, hey, I can get you Michael Conforto. So I'm gonna give you an official wait to see on this, if you don't mind. Bellinger will sign after Otani. Book it. Nothing, personal pick of the day. How we doing 2.6 percenters up in Minnesota? Were you worried? Did you think there was a chance that the Twins wouldn't beat the Guardians? Guess what? The Twins beat the Guardians. The good news is that Lucas Giolito, I just wanna make sure I get it exactly right. I believe he went, it was a very close game. 
I believe Giolito, who the Guardians signed ridiculously, paid the rest of his contract, giving what a break to Artie Moreno with the Angels. Just unbelievable. I believe that Giolito went eight innings and gave up no runs in one hit. Let me just make sure I have it right. Let me put my glasses on because I really don't want to screw this up because it was such a good pitching performance. Lucas Giolito, three innings, seven hits, nine runs, nine earned, three walks, three Ks, three home runs. OMG. <laughs> How you feeling now? How you feeling that a position player pitched four innings? No, you're in the race. Don't you worry. The Guardians are 66 and 72. I think they should waive Giolito right now. Put him back through waivers and see if the Dodgers will claim him just to get through Octo get to October. Figure out someone who can take some innings while Urias, Urias is not pitching. Anyway, we won our pick of the, game, of the day. We're 122 and 120. Our pick tonight. What a series. Do you know the Astros and Rangers in the AL West are tied in the loss column? The Blue Jays are only a half game back in the wild card. The Mariners are leading the division. This is unbelievable. You have the Mariners winning, leading the division, the Orioles leading the division, the Rays are leading the wild card, but then you've got Astros in there and the Blue Jays could sneak in, which means the loser of Rangers, Astros, Mariners may not even make the playoffs that September, baby. Mr. Two-Time Tommy John, love you, Nate. He's going for the Rangers against Mr. No-Hitter, my Cy Young pick, Framber Valdez of the Astros. We're going Evaldi and the Rangers over Valdez and the Astros. That is our pick today. So speaking of the race and how exciting September is, play some music for me, please. You know what I want. <laughs> I want to talk to Samson. It's a late so you want to talk to Samson. Did MLB create a new problem with the third wild card? Teams now are forced to buy at the deadline instead of sell because they are only, quote, three games back, but in reality have no playoff shot. The GMs know they have no shot and want to sell, but they can't because of the fans. How will front office people handle the trade deadline now after seeing what happened to the Padres and the Angels? Love that. Thank you for going to davidsampsonpodcast.com. David P. Sampson on Twitter. Get, I, I got to call it X now. Sorry, get me those questions. Let me give you the philosophy behind the added wild card. It was based on our knowledge of two things. One, that there were networks who were willing to bid and pay extra money for the extra playoff games. That was the overarching reason these networks would take more playoff games over more regular season games any day of the week. As an industry, you're trying to prove to the Players Association that, hey, we're trying to increase our revenue. You generally get 50% of revenue. Getting more broadcast revenue is in all of our best interest. Let's play more playoff games, and then maybe you'll agree to shorten the season from 162 to 154 while taking a concomitant pay cut from 162, 160 seconds of your salary to 154, 160 seconds of your salary. What do you think, Union? Are you in or are you out? Then you had 
owners say to the commissioner, we want a third wild card because we want our fans to believe that we're in it longer even when we know we're not. Once in a while, we'll pull the plug when our fans think we're in it, but the majority of time, we're probably gonna say we're in it, we're not gonna sell, and then we're gonna try to parlay that into more season tickets the next year, excitement over what can happen in the next year. The commissioner was in favor of an extra wild card because the more teams in it, the longer, the more attendance you're going to have and the more press releases you can give saying how great attendance is during a particular weekend or in a particular city. It's all about narrative. It is in the best interests of baseball when everyone's talking college football, everyone's talking the NFL. Baseball wants to own October but shares it with the other sports. The excitement of October, the excitement then of September is what you want because now you've got two months. They've never quite found a way to have August and July exciting other than the All-Star game because they own those months. So the incentive to make those more exciting, you do the trade deadline, you do the waiver trade deadline, you do a couple things here and there, maybe move the draft to the All-Star game. You try different things, but the urgency to be great during the summer when you're alone is less than the urgency to differentiate yourself during the fall when you've got more competition. And what is a better way than finishing your season with races like they dreamed about the race for the NL wild card, the race for the AL West division with so much on the line, either you're in or you're out. And once you're in, you have a chance to take it all the way to the promised land and get the ring. So when you say in your question, are teams forced to buy at the deadline instead of sell? I wouldn't have chosen the word forced. I would say that teams are more easily deluded into thinking that they are in it and they should buy. And they're also sensitive about the PR side of selling. But what the Angels did this year should help inform other teams. When you buy and you shouldn't have, Guardians, when you buy and you shouldn't have, you're gonna be made fun of at owners meetings because all you did was waste money, burned it right to the ground, smoked its ashes. It leads to the first owner's meeting after the season where the commissioner gets up and looks askance at clubs who did things that were financially irresponsible, puts up a slide pointing out how irresponsible and bad a team did during the course of a deadline or during the course of a season, and then says, it's just business. This is nothing personal.